is anything to celebrate. I think there's just uh, a lot of things to talk about, which is why I'm excited. So, again, happy Tuesday to you all. Uh, we talked a lot about the 53-man roster reset yesterday. Now we're shifting into the here and now, which is where Joe Burrow's contract extensions, uh, the talk of that it stands right now, along with uh, other factors that come into play, like T. Higgins and Logan Wilson and their extensions uh, and other things mixed in between. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have a special guest midway through the podcast. Uh, so I won't tell you who that is just yet, but make sure you follow along because he's a great guest uh, that you want to listen to for sure. Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nizek here with you. And before we get into all the talks about Joey B, um, we were talking to all of our subtexters earlier, literally as we were walking out of the press room, uh, the conference room in uh, Paycourt Stadium, we were texting our subscribers all the updates they needed before I even went to Twitter, before we even wrote anything pen to paper for our website. Uh, we were texting our subscribers directly through our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service. Guys, I mean, like I just mentioned, I was texting people. I know you guys were as well. I mean, what are people missing out on by not being a part of Cincinnati Football Insider? Yeah, well, I mean, if you you know if you join, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a time of the year when you know news is going to come. We're gonna we're, we obviously talked to Joe Burrow today. Uh, you know, you're gonna get the latest updates on uh, on Joe Burrow's contract extension. You're going to get the latest updates on on just kind of things we hear in the locker room, things we talk about in the locker room, kind of all of our analysis of what happens in the locker room and what happens out during OTAs, during voluntary workouts, during all that stuff. Uh, you know, you can basically, like I said before, you can jump the line on Twitter. You don't have to worry about kind of scrolling through whatever kind of disasters going on that day. You can always read, uh, read what you want to about the Bengals and uh, cut straight through it to hear it directly from us. So. It's, uh, I mean, I, I think you could kind of make this case, but it's never really a, a bad time to sign up. Yep, that's right. And again, you can sign up right now. It takes less than five minutes. You just go to cleveland.com slash bangles. It's $4.99 a month, but you get a two-week free trial. So if you don't like me, if you don't like Andrew, you don't like Mike, you're not hurting our feelings. Just text stop anytime, and that's that. But I think... You're going to like us a lot. I mean, you're listening to us on the podcast, so I'd imagine you'd like us even more. So, again, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. So, before I even get into the details of Joe Burrow kind of talking about his contract extension, I have to ask you guys the most pressing thing I've really been thinking about even before we talked to Burrow. Do you think Headband Joe is a fitting nickname for him? Because to be honest, I think he rocks the headband. Like, I know that's gone viral on Instagram, Twitter, social media. I know he's got all these, you know, pictures where he's rocking the ice, rocking the jewelry. I think he looks better with the headband. Like, you guys think he's rocking the headband? I think he's headband Joe. I think, um, you know, what, what did he say? It was He just wanted to grow out the hair. He does, uh, yeah. I needed it. Yeah, I just, um, you know, Joe, I mean, I think whatever Joe Burrow wears is a great lesson in that it doesn't really matter what the look is. If the person wearing it is cool or unique in some way, people are going to lose their minds over it. So I'm sure if Joe Burrow had my outfit on today, everybody would be like, wow, West Virginia Black Bears minor league baseball hats are in. Everybody loves that. And, I mean, if I wore a headband, I'd look ridiculous. So, You know, one thing he told me, like just in private – I mean, it's not a secret, but he said that he likes to choose comfort over style. So, you know, he'll he'll rock the designer brands on game days. But like you see him in the locker room wearing canes, chicken fingers, hoodies, 
and like SpongeBob sweatshirts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. I actually think that that's the new style, man, is just simple and casual and comfortable. He, he says it's all about comfort over style, and I could not agree with him more. Now, jumping into the real, real serious business. Um, so Burrow talked for the first time basically since uh, they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and he was asked about his contract negotiation status, which we've been speculating and speculating on this podcast. Well, now we don't have to speculate as much because, you know, really kind of the way he put it is, he knows what he wants in his contract. Um, he's involved in the negotiations. How involved, we don't know, but he did say he's involved to a degree. Um, now, we don't know what he wants. Only he knows and his agent knows and the team knows what he wants. But I guess when you kind of read between the lines, like when he says he's involved, like, and again, this this is maybe where we go back to the speculating part. Like, do you think he talks about sort of just what he looks for as far as like a floor, like, Maybe he's like, oh, Lamar got this, Jalen got this, I want this. Or is it more so, okay, I want to keep the band all together? Because he did also mention that part of the focal point is keeping T. Higgins in mind because he's eligible for an extension. Jamar Chase, due next year. Um, I don't think he mentioned Logan Wilson, but obviously that's another guy that's due for an extension. Like, how do you maybe, like, if you're in that room, how do you kind of guess that, like, he's putting himself in there when it comes to negotiating? Well, you know, I, I said this on our subtext today. Um, you know, God, I'm good. That's the second promo I've done for that in seven and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, you know, I said this today. Like, look, I've I've made this point multiple times over the last couple of weeks, couple of months. I don't think that there's a dollar figure unless it's ridiculous. Like, and I'm so I'm saying I don't think there's a realistic dollar figure that you can say Joe Burrow is is going to leave on the table so that they can sign T Higgins. Like if they're going to sign T Higgins, it's not going to be because Joe Burrow took less money because again, I think we're all in agreement that Jamar Chase is going to make about $30 million. I think we're all in agreement that T Higgins is going to make over $20 million. And if Joe Burrow makes like 55 or 60, do the math in your head. That's uh, it's over a hundred million dollars for, for three players. So I, I don't think it's necessarily oh, well, Joe Burrow is going to leave so much money on the table that they're going to have the money for... I don't think it's that. I think kind of what you can deduce from that is this. The structure of the contracts is going to make it easier to get T. Higgins. I mean, if you look at the 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 contract, basically, of, of Jalen Hurts, of Lamar Jackson, the first couple of years of those deals, like, you, you look at the salary cap figures and you kind of go, whoa, like, that's that's lower than I thought it would be. And considering the contracts that they signed, the math doesn't really make sense. So I just think that, look, I've said this before. I I think that Joe Burrow can say, I want any amount of money and the Bengals can't really tell him no. Like if Joe Burrow said, I want $70 million a year, $65 million a year, the Bengals can't really tell him no. What are they? It's Joe Burrow. You can't tell that guy no. But what I think you can do is is say Joe Burrow takes 58. Oh, of course he left money on the table because he didn't get every penny that he could have gotten. So, um, you know, just to kind of finish his rant, I just think that it, it's not so much money leaving on the table. It's the structure of everything. And I think that that is, um, you know, I think that that's kind of the way I read into that. I disagree about him being worth $70 million. I mean, that's kind of crazy. At that point, you just sure. franchise tag him for two years. Um, and then worry about it down the line. And then, you know, um, 
you, you've got a problem three years instead of now. And so when I mean, if he's talking about insane money, I just don't think they'd be on the same page. And it doesn't seem like that's the case since both sides have, um, you know, seemingly said things are moving along at to, at to what pace we don't know. Um, will he take less? You know, I, I think he could take a little bit less in certain, um, you know, ways, uh, you know, like you said, structure, but also just, you know, I don't know, like le- overall dollars, like if he has to take a little bit less, I don't think that's a big issue for him. Um, you know, Jamar Chase kind of hits it as much. And, um, you know, if they're all talking, if they all take a little bit less to stay together, I think that's kind of what I took it to mean. It's not going to be a huge amount of money, but, you know, I think you mentioned those contracts being back loaded and like, I don't see the Bengals typically don't really do that. They don't want to give themselves a problem down the road. Um, so I'd have a hard time seeing them so lopsided where they do have a year where he's his cap hits 80 million um, and then you have the other two on top of it. So I'd be surprised if they went that route. I think when we talk about we nobody nobody wants, I think he probably has a dollar figure in mind. He probably has, a you know, how much is guaranteed in his in his mind and um, some of the other stuff, you know, he's probably bringing to the table. So um, I think, you know, he's quarterbacks typically are sort of control freaks and that they want, you know, to have their, you know, know you know, he's, he's that kind of guy that wants to know everything and, and, and have his hands and everything. So I would think that when he says he's involved, he, he means it and that he's dictating um, some of the terms and some of the things that the Bengals are offering. So Andrew makes a good point about, you know, he's not really leaving money on the table. It's more so about, there's a structure that he's willing to work with that allows for Jamar and T to get theirs. Like since you mentioned Jalen Hurts, without getting too specific, like you kind of look at the the rundown of his deal, which runs through 2028. So the common theme that kind of applies to this conversation is the cap hit isn't really that significant in the first three years. Like next year, it's really six million, which I think is because it's still a continuation of his rookie deal. But then. 13 million, 21 million. It really only starts to get pretty big those last years where you're looking at 45 to 54 million dollars a year in a cap hit. Now, it's going to be a big dead cap for him because he's getting his signing bonus. But again, dead cap doesn't really matter because you're not cutting Jalen Hurts. That's irrelevant. But um, besides the bonuses that he's going to be getting, you know, which he got from signing, you know, uh, initially where they give him all that money, the cap hit's not that bad. So if you can kind of structure it like that, where you have that cap space, you have that breathing room, it's very possible. Um, So I see where Andrew's kind of coming from there. But like, I, what I was going to say though, is like, do you sort of agree with that approach? Because I know we talked about this a lot. Like I know Andrew was saying, don't worry about what T gets. Don't worry about Jamar gets. Like that's a problem for Duke Tobin worry about yourself like do you still kind of agree with that approach or he's like oh i'm keeping t in mind i'm keeping jamar in mind like like do you think that makes the most sense in this situation if you're trying to win a super bowl not just down the road but like farther down the road well, well, yeah, I mean, I've yeah, always I... said... go ahead mike i've always said that that you have to try to keep those two in mind if you want you know that's the core of this team so i mean it would make sense that he would um he goes back with jamar chase uh so uh, i would have been surprised if he sort of um ignored it um especially with the way each of these guys preaches you know you know camaraderie and that they're on the same page i would have um you know i, I would have found it surprising if he then you know private said like all i want to worry about is my contract um you know i, I think that this co- that this group wants to stay together and you know, the only path to getting that done is if they kind of coordinate a little bit, at least, how they're 
contracts are structured and what they make to sort of allow this team to operate financially. Otherwise, I, I just don't think it, you know, I think T would be the odd man out, to be honest. And so, um, you know, it sounds like that they don't want that to happen. They don't want to push him out. Um, so then, you know, there is coordination. What were you going to say, Andrew? No, I, I mean, to go back to what you said, yeah, I, I mean, I still kind of think that that, I mean, obviously, you know, Joe said that today. I mean, personally, I think it's 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 just an easy layup PR win to say, you know, of course you want everybody to get paid. Like, I, I mean, you would go around the league and you say, oh, you know, everybody would say the same thing in that situation. I think, um, you know, I, and I just I just don't think that, you know, I, again, I, I look at that situation with, you know, Joe wanting to have Jamar and T like, of course, you know, I mean, think about how many quarterbacks in the last handful of years have kind of openly talked about their franchise in negative ways because they didn't think that they did enough. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, but like Joe Burrow is going to be nearing that like Aaron Rodgers territory where, you know, he's going to have more and more control over offense and, and things like that. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he, I mean, to be fair, he never really did get anybody besides Devonte Adams. And, you know, there was talk about Lamar not getting the receiving help that he needed. And, and I just think that, um, you know, when you look at all of that, you obviously need great players, but you know, there, there's a way to do this and, and kind of worry about yourself first and foremost, because, you know, everybody cares about money, right? You know, I understand that, you know, these guys are making tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, but you know, everybody cares about money. Everybody wants to kind of get theirs. And, um, I just think that when you, when you do that, there's, I don't, I don't think that Joe Burrow has to take you know, eight or $9 million less and, and keep T Higgins together. I, I still think that there's kind of a way that if you want to do this, you can, you can kind of structure the contract in a way that makes it more financially viable. Yeah, I go back I to what like, I said weeks ago though, that I think that's a sort of a silly way to look at it since he's never going to leave money on the table since he's a marketable athlete who can then just go to whoever name insert brand here and make it up in like, a snap of the fingers. So uh, he chooses to sort of limit his, his, you know, businesses and stuff. But like, I mean, he's not, there's no, there's no scenario where he has to leave any, if he wants an extra $20 million tomorrow, he can go out and find it. So like, if he cared about money in the way you're saying, I think he would make himself more available to do those things, but he chooses not to. So that says to me that there is some limit to his sort of financial uh, ambitions because um, somebody that um, would want to make every last penny would do the Peyton Manning where it's like literally every company you can think of I'll advertise for. Um, and so he doesn't. And so I just think it's like, if he loses $10 million, I mean, it's not a, he's never going to know B he could make it up in any, in a multitude of ways and see, I think he'd be happier with the with with having those other guys as opposed to the ten million dollars, which he won't even notice in five years, because his net worth will be insane. So, I think you know, the, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think overall, if you really wanted to boil it down, and this is obviously oversimplifying kind of his strategy, I think he's being smart with it because he looks at it as like, on the one hand, yeah, like he knows what he wants. He's confident in what he wants and he's, you know, working with his agent on that and he's really putting his best foot effort towards that. But at the same time, like he he made a good humble point, like you need good receivers around you. Like 
obviously Joe Burrow's the face of this franchise and it's it's not like he can't win without other guys but I mean having T Higgins and Jamar Chase is a big difference between having them and you know some insert average receiver like it's just not the same he knows that it's a big reason if not one of the biggest reasons why they have made it as far as they have other than you know him being as good as he is and all the other factors that you could look at on the other side of the ball so it's a matter of like yeah you want to really think about what's best for T what's best for uh Jamar and maybe even Logan Wilson and I don't know how much farther than that he's thinking I'm you know we're not in his head but it's a very balanced approach of I know what I want but I know what my teammates want and I know I need my teammates so We'll see how that pans out. We'll see if he even gets paid first because who knows? Maybe T gets paid first and then, you know, they get the deal done for Joe right when training camp starts. I mean, this is obviously a guess. It could go the other way around or maybe, you know, you just deal with Joe now and you deal with T next year. Who knows? Or maybe you franchise him, a franchise tag him, which again, he has the same agent as Jesse Bates. So that'd be an interesting play out for uh, another day, but uh, stay with us. We have a special guest that I'm really excited to have on this podcast. I spoke with him recently in the last couple of days, and that is Bengals long snapper Cal Adamitis, who was gracious and generous enough to give me some of his time to speak with me, talk about what it's like uh, being a long snapper in the offseason, uh, playing in Cincinnati, going into his first full season after being thrown in last year. Stick around for that conversation when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm joined by Bengals long snapper Cal Adamitis as he is back in the building for voluntary off-season workouts. Cal, how you doing? Look like you packed on some size this off-season. Yeah, doing well. Uh, good to be back in Cincy and feeling good being back around the team, enjoying getting in the weight room. So, you know, so far so good. What is the typical off-season routine for Cal Adamitis? You know, what's kind of a day in the life for you in this time of the year? Yeah, so, you know, in all honesty, it's still pretty... Uh, pretty relaxed in a lot of ways you know we have our, our workouts in the morning and and then uh you know trying to find some time to to get a little field work in with with drew and and evan you know obviously maintaining the the boundaries of certain you know cba roles we we have to yeah. you know follow but uh getting our work in and then you know in the afternoons and evenings still just enjoying relaxing having free time and you know trying to just still enjoy the off-season life because you know i know by the time july comes around it's going to be you know pedal to the metal how do you enjoy the off-season especially because obviously it's your first off-season how have you been enjoying yourself so far yeah i mean uh you know in all honesty my strategy at this point in time has been kind of less is more you know obviously getting everything i need with lifts and and runs to to stay in shape and stay ready and keep improving you know myself athletically but other than that you know I find myself bored at times, but I'm like, that's okay this time of the year. You know, I'm trying to also stay in touch with guys that I know who have, you know, been in the league and uh, guys who've been mentors to me. And, you know, they're, they kind of all said the same thing. You know, make sure you give, your t- give yourself time and space to really not have too many to-dos day to day. So, I guess, you know, obviously uh, you're a Pittsburgh guy. How do you split your time between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in the offseason? So, you know, immediately following the season, um, I was spending most of my time in in Pittsburgh just living with my parents and lifting down at, you know, uh, University of Pittsburgh's facilities. I'm I'm still pretty close with a lot of the coaches and and even players down there. And um, but, you know, obviously once voluntary workouts started back, I was I was excited to get back to Cincy. And so, you know, I'm I'm here for, you know, our nine or 10 week offseason program 
finishing with OTAs, and then I'll spend another couple weeks back in Pittsburgh, and then I'll be back up here for good for, for camp. You mentioned that you stay in touch with a lot of guys from Pitt who are in the league. I guess who are some of the guys that you know, you're close to you know, Pitt-wise that you've talked to across the NFL so far? Yeah, well, um, you know, obviously, you know, not to, uh, there's no sharing of, of precious information, but, you know, Kenny's a guy who I've played a lot of ball with at Pitt, and he was back at Pitt training as well, and um, it's been fun because I think both of us have put on some significant size since this past season, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to, it keeps us competitive too, you know, when we're both in that Pitt weight room working out and, you know, just talking our smack to each other, and so he's a guy that, you know, we've been in communication, and, uh, Lucas Kroll, another guy from my class who uh, is with the Saints currently and plays tight end for them. Um, he's been back around at, at Pitt as well, training through the offseason. Um, and those are probably the two main guys, um, but, you know, as well, just being at Pitt, um, trying to pass my knowledge down to, you know, some of the guys who are coming out this year as well for, for their rookie season. Uh, forgive me if this may be asking too much, but without revealing conversations, obviously, have you spoken with Damar Hamlin at all this offseason? Have you kept up with him? You know, a little bit. Um, you know, I've tried to check in here and there, and uh, obviously he's, uh, you know, he's um, a, a guy that a lot of people want to talk to, you know, now, and he's got a, an amazing story to tell. And so obviously, you know, I you know, try to respect his personal space, but, you know, try to check in when I can as well. And, um, yeah, so, you know, haven't haven't had the chance really to sit down and chat extensively, but, you know, just checking in here and there. You mentioned kind of the weight room competition with your guys at Pitt. I know uh, Kalijah Kansi, big guy, drafted in the first round by Tampa Bay. You know, people have compared him to Aaron Donald, who's obviously a Pitt guy like you. I mean, I guess how much of, maybe this is a stretch, but how much of Aaron Donald do you see in him? And, you know, what are the Buccaneers getting out of a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough for me to make an exact comparison because I never was was at Pitt with with Aaron Donald. But, you know, in terms of his tape and his body type and the way he plays it, from my perspective, they seem like very, very similar players. And, you know, everything I know about Kalijah, he's got a high motor. He he just plays hard and, you know, he's a real student of the game. And, you know, in addition to all that, it just freak athletically um I mean, his get off is is unbelievable so i mean he's he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a great player and you know i wish he was here in cincy but yeah. you know I'm, I'm excited for him down in tampa bay so you play almost an entire full season last year after clark goes down you perform well you even get your first game ball in the playoffs in the snow you know you make it to the afc championship game as a rookie which is remarkable for most people you know when you kind of look back at the 2022 season you know what do you think about most and how do you want to build on that going into 2023 yeah i mean uh you know that whole 2022 season was just a, a blessing from start to finish and just learned a ton of lessons and um you know the i'm just grateful for all the things i've learned and you know grateful for the opportunity to to finish what we started last year this year and uh you know the goal is to win a super bowl and you know that's what's on everyone's mind and we didn't do that last year but um you know i know everyone in, in here has stronger resolve than ever to make that happen this year so you know that's that's really the main thing on everyone's mind at this point in time and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna do our best to make it happen i guess kind of my last question is um touching on that you evan you know drew and then obviously you guys just drafted brad robbins i guess kind of what is the collective mindset of the you know the special teams unit specifically going into the offseason otas and training camp yeah i mean i can't say from my perspective there's a particular change in, per, in change in perspective um you know coach simmons you know he's going to coach us hard um all three all four of us and uh you know we're all going to have to compete um and you know that's just the nature of the biz yeah. but you know we're 
we're all going to buy in wholeheartedly and we're going to get better and just compete healthily every day and be ready when the when the time comes and you know i'm just excited to just get going with it all right that's Bengals long snapper cal adamitis cal never enough time with you always a great conversation to have a breath of fresh air appreciate you my friend and uh, we will be chatting with you soon absolutely thank you all right don't go away we'll be right back on the strictly stripes podcast and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Uh, so great to hear from Cal Adamitis. Always a breath of fresh air talking with him, uh, especially in the Bengals locker room. A very fun guy. Um, and before we get into kind of the rest of our uh, off-season workout conversation, we want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Very easy. Just like signing up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It only takes a few minutes. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. Make sure you select the Strictly Stripes newsletter option, obviously. It's free, it's in your inbox every morning, and you get the best reporting, insights, and analysis from me, Mike, and Andrew. So go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. So we talked a lot about, obviously, uh, the Joe Burrow contract situation, the whole lay of the land when it comes to that. Um, But I want to kind of focus a little bit more on T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. We talked about a a little bit, obviously, earlier in the podcast. You know, I was kind of thinking about this. So Jamar makes it for phase two of workouts, which, you know, that started on Monday. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. Um, he wasn't there for phase one, which is really mostly just uh, lifting and cardio and endurance training. That makes sense because he was already doing that uh, with his trainer in Austin, Texas, where I think Irv Smith has the same trainer, but he was doing his own thing. He kind of joined the crew this week. T Higgins has already kind of been around since phase one, but that's interesting because you would think a lot of those guys like being as good as they are, being due for like extensions, whenever that is. Obviously for Jamar, it's down the road, but still, you know, he doesn't really have to come if he doesn't want to. It's voluntary. Like, is there something to be said that like these guys are in a situation where, hey, you don't have to be here, but you're here, you're catching passes, you're lifting, you're doing your endurance. Like, I mean, is there really anything to look at? Because I think there is something to be said about that. But what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I think the... Um... Overall attendance is impressive. I think that's sort of what it speaks to. Um, it's not just um, you know one or two guys. This is you know the stars are there, and and, and it's like up and down the roster. I mean, it's only a couple of players um, that that weren't there today. Um, Jonah Williams and Taylor Boyd, I think, were the, the two starters. Um, you know, Lael Collins wasn't there, uh, but he's rehabbing. So um, you know, I've, I yeah, I think so. I, I think those things um, speak well of sort of the. Uh, organization and, and the, the buy-in and, and how they've kind of structured things to get, um, you know, the group together. And, and I do think that um, says something about, you know, uh, the, you know, a tight knit locker room. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And obviously like with Lyell, he's rehabbing. Chidobia Uzier is rehabbing. Um, I know Sidney Jones, I believe, wasn't there either. I don't think he has any injury issues, but I mean, he's a reserve, so you don't have to read too much into that. But those guys, Tyler Boyd, and then, of course, Jonah Williams because of his contract situation, although it appears that just based on reports out there that he might be back in time for the mandatory portion, which is not until OTAs on June 6th and then the mandatory minicamp the week after that. Um, But we'll kind of see how that plays out, obviously. That's just based on reports. But no, I think it's just, it, it shows, and this is cliche, but but there's truth to this. Like, this team knows how close they were to winning a Super Bowl. And they know, like, yeah, they, they don't have to be there. Like, Jamar didn't even have to come this week. T didn't even have to come for phase one or let alone phase two. 
But they know, like, working with Joe Burrow, getting that chemistry back, like, you know, Joe Burrow trying out different things, like whether it's in phase two or whether it's in OTAs, whether it's different throws, trying different routes out, like you do that now before you shut down for training camp, you're already clicking on all four cylinders at training camp and you're going to click either way in training camp. But I think there's something to be said about you, you just get a little bit of extra spice and a little bit of an extra juice out of something like that. And so... You don't have to read too much into it because, of course, like it's voluntary. But when you look at like the overall attendance, like Mike said, and you look at where this team was and where they can be next year, which is possibly being in the Super Bowl, if not winning it, um, I absolutely think that's that's critical. I mean, do you agree with that, Andrew? Do you think you know it's, it says a lot about the fact that this team really means it when they say they want to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> yes, uh, I do think <laughs> they want to win a Super Bowl. But like, um, just, but just being there though, like, does that really speak to that, or is this is it just being cliche at this point? Um, yeah, it's probably it's that's too cliche for me. Um, you know, with these voluntary workouts, I I never try to read too much into them. Um, you know, I, I the guys have stuff going on. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for guys to get here for, you know, however many days they're going to be here. I, I don't know. I just think that, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, kind of sold on the idea that, you know, a guy showing up for minicamp or a lot of guys showing up for minicamp or OTAs or voluntary workouts or whatever. I, I don't know if, you know, having as great of attendance as you can, I mean, it's not a bad thing. But I just don't think it, it necessarily means anything. Just like I don't think, you know, guys skipping means anything either. I, I, I just I've never really kind of bought into that. I mean, I think overall that makes sense. But I think when it comes to guys like T Higgins, I slightly disagree. And actually not even just T Higgins. Like think about Logan Wilson had a shoulder injury, which almost ended his run to the Super Bowl, has surgery right after that, comes back sort of re-aggravates it last year, misses one game, I think, against the Falcons because of it. He didn't have to be there today. I mean, he really didn't, or really just in general, like these last couple of weeks, because, you know, you really, really want to heal that shoulder. Like you're going into a contract year. You don't want to risk hurting something now before you can even try to make a case for getting extended if, you know, that doesn't get done, let alone before the season. But he's there. I mean, he, he did mention this, I think, uh, it was about two weeks ago. Like he said, you know, the biggest thing for him is keeping that shoulder healthy. But at the same time, he doesn't want that to hold him back from, you know, staying juiced up and staying in good shape and being ready for training camp. So it's, it's a balance, obviously, because he has to be careful. But that's the thing is, like, you don't want to lean towards just the side of caution. Of, oh, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt my chances of getting extended. Same with T. Higgins. Like, what if you're practicing and, God forbid, you get hurt, whatever you hurt? At least, I mean, you don't want that to happen. But even though you accept that risk of that happening, that still shows you're not just invested in yourself and, you know, what you're going to get out of it, whether it's an extension or whatever, you're invested in the team. And so you could talk about culture, camaraderie. I know Joe Burrow kind of alluded to that a lot, but I do think there's something to be said. Even if you don't want to read too much into it, like Andrew said, I think with specific examples like that, there's a case to be made that like, yeah, there's something to look at when it comes to those guys. Uh, showing up kind of a fun question I wanted to sort of pick your all's brains on and this is a way too early prediction obviously but one interesting goal Jamar Chase said that he has for next year is he wants to break the Bengals single season record for receptions which is 112 set by TJ Hushmanzada I think 16 years ago 
I mean, he only needs, I don't want to say only because this is a lot, but he needs at least like six, like four games with six catches and then like 11 or 12 games with seven or half and half, half with six, half with seven. Like, I mean, do you think he can actually break that record next year or is that just being extremely ambitious? Um, well, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's ambitious just because, I mean, you, you kind of look at the roster and I mean, look what the team did at running back. And I guess if you could say kind of more accurately, uh, what they didn't do at running back, you know, um, you know, this is a team that's going to throw the ball. Uh, you've got, um, T Higgins on board, obviously you've got Tyler Boyd. You just drafted Charlie Jones. Um, you know, Irv Smith kind of sounds like he's going to be a part in that passing attack as well. And like, you know, I, I understand it was a different league. Uh, I think it was 2007 when Hushmanzada did yep. that or 2008, mm-hmm. one of those years. Um, he wasn't I mean, even but, the number one receiver. It was Chad Ochocinco. Right. Well, but that's my point. It's like, you know, they had Chad Johnson and Hushmanzada and uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I think, yeah, Chris, I forget, I forget who that's on that team. Chris Henry. Um, Chris Henry was yeah, still there. Like, you know, there, there was not really like a like a, a, a number three receiver like they had in Tyler Boyd or, you know, even, I mean, what they hope Charlie Jones is is a number four. So, uh, you know, I just think that, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot working against that. You've got to stay healthy. Um, not only have you got to stay healthy, uh, you've got to, I, I mean, this team has got to air the ball out because you look at kind of the numbers – I mean, T. Higgins has been remarkably consistent. He, I mean, he's not going anywhere. Tyler Boyd's going to get his, and like, I'm, like if everybody stays healthy, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's possible. I mean, I, I just, th- I think he needs to stay healthy and play in every game. And he, can't yeah, that's sit, true. And he can't if they are clinch something, they can't sit up in the last game because he needs to average like a, a decent amount of catches. Um, you know, every game. Uh, you guys were insulting Kenny Watson, who had 52 catches in 2007 when TJ Hushmanzada set the record. Uh, which pretty... <laughs> oh, that, I, I do remember that guy. He was a running back. Uh, their third receiver only had 21, but they spread it out to four or five guys. So, um, But, no, I, I think it's possible just that, um, you know, especially if they don't replace the production that Samaje um, had in, you know, the passing game and, and Hayden, if so, more of that goes to the receivers, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason he can't have a big season like that. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Kenny Watson, if you are listening to this podcast, whenever and wherever you are, forgive me. Yeah, because he was playing with uh, Rudy Johnson. He was the lead running back that year. That was right before the Cedric Benson era. But see, that he still played for your Bears at that time. Cedric Benson did, Mike. But um, yeah, no, that's – like I said, I mean, I did the math. Like, he has to have at least – 6.6 catches per game, which, like I said, you need at least six to seven catches per game, more games with seven, or again, the math depends, but it has to be six or seven, just and you have to play that 17th game. The advantage, too, is they played 16 games back then. You're playing 17 now, um, unless, like you said, you clinch something and you bench him. But, I mean, if you're going for a number one seed and you, you're playing the Chiefs in Week 17, I think that Week 18 game against Cleveland – depending on how they do as well, might have some implications. So I don't think that's going to be a rested game unless they go 14 and two for all we know. And that game is a, a crap bull at that point. Um, that's the the fun part to speculate later on. Um, 
But I do want to sort of wrap up with something really funny that we kind of heard. <laughs> we kind of heard uh, Jamar and Joe talk about. I think someone, I forget who, asked Joe Burrow, like, it was said that he likes to pull UFC moves on, like, Jamar Chase for fun. And he said, yeah, we kind of have fun a little bit. And then Jamar Chase was like, oh, yeah, he'll do the, like, the fly kicks. I don't watch a lot of UFC, but he, like, described different moves that Joe Burrow would do just, like, sneaking up on people. If if you were to put Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in a UFC ring right now, I, again, I know like what Joe is six four, Jamar is six foot, so Joe's probably a little bit heavier and bigger. Even then, though, <laughs> who has the better fly kick? Like if you just had to guess, who would win a, a UFC match at that point? <laughs> oh, Jamar Chase, a hundred percent. You think so? Yeah, a hundred percent. Jamar's more athletic, faster, like, twitchier. I think athleticism every time. Faster and twitchier is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Do you agree, Mike? You're just going to give it to Jamar there? Whoa, sure. Sounds good. No, you, you got to have some conviction. Like, I want to say, oh, yeah, sure. I think he can He can definitely do it. I, I want to hear some conviction. You, you really think Jamar can do it? I've got no horse in this race, so no <laughs> conviction. Uh, great Tuesday night. A lot of fun. A lot of chatter. A lot of banter. Stay with us. Uh, Wednesday, we have uh, an interesting discussion uh, about some uh, competition. Not necessarily now because it's uh, voluntary workouts, but sort of down the road once we get into uh, mandatory mini camps and OTAs, some interesting competitions and names to look at that we haven't really talked about much on this podcast and some more interesting guest interviews like the one we had with Cal Adamitis. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a good Tuesday. Tuesday.